Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's great to see all of you here today. I wonder how many of you are here in the second service because of the time change? At least a couple of you, all right? So, um, I don't know about you, is anybody else ready for spring to be here? Technically, it's close. (laughs) Um, But let me ask this question, because I know this usually some of you. How many of you are excited about the fact that it looks like we're going to get another five to eight inches of snow in a couple of days? Uh, You can check in for counseling after the service, okay? (laughs) I'm kind of, I'm getting in my, I get in a rebellious stage towards snow every springtime, and I'm pretty much there now. It's where I'm only going to shovel absolutely what I have to because the rest of it's going to melt, you know? I hope. (laughs) Um, So we've been looking at a passage of Scripture the Lord led us to, uh, the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, some real important uh, things there that we need to understand and, and let control our lives if we want to honor him. And, and in that passage, it starts right off talking about the idea of pleasing God. And so this whole, um, these three sermons from this passage, we're, we're entitling Pleasing God with Your Life. And because and, it tells us some things we need to understand in order to be able to do that. And the first thing we saw, there's a crucial realization that we need to have, and that's that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian will stand with Christ and your life will be evaluated for how you lived it, whether you lived it for the Lord or whether you did your own thing and the different you know, parts will be evaluated. Uh, and that it's, the scripture really tells us that that's going to matter more to us, way more than we typically realize. So we need to let that govern our lives. I, I'm going to give an answer for how I live. I need to think then about how I live, right? I need to make decisions with that in mind. Uh, Then we saw last week that there is a very powerful conclusion that we need to reach, and that's this understanding that, well, if God has done this, he's shown his love to us and saved us and made us new, if that's the case, then those of us who have received his life need to stop living for ourselves and live for him. And boy, it's real easy to live for yourself. In fact, it's real easy to live for yourself and say you're living for God. But we gotta really look at it and say, wait a minute, no, my whole life, we, I please God then by saying, no, my whole life needs to be about the Lord. Every aspect of my life needs to be about Him. And that brings us to the final portion of this passage of Scripture. And it's a, about a sacred trust. It's something that God has entrusted to us. A holy, important thing that we need to be faithful in. And, and I'll just state it right up front here. We please the Lord by sharing the gospel with others. He has entrusted that to us. And so we please him by doing that. So let's, let's go to the passage of scripture itself, a sacred trust here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one under the chairs there and we'll be on page 1330. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And in 12 through 17, we talked about making our whole lives about Christ. And that brings us to verse number 18. 
He says, now all things are of God. And there's all this stuff we've been talking about, what he's done for us, what our lives are supposed to be. It's all of God, it's all about God, it's all for God. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I right, well in, in this passage there's two major things that Paul is talking about and they're connected but uh, one is reconciliation, this whole idea of reconciliation with, with God through Christ and the other is a ministry of reconciliation. So but let's, let's focus first in on reconciliation with God through Christ and, and what that's about. So look at verse 19 again. He says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their, here's the word, trespasses. Trespasses is the problem and the reason that we need reconciliation. Now when you think of the word trespassing, if someone trespasses, what do they do? They go, they cross a line, don't they? They cross a line onto your property or somebody else's property where they're not supposed to be. And so that is trespassing. And there is a sense in which trespassing is crossing a line. It's crossing a line that, that God has drawn, okay? But the word that's translated trespasses here really has, uh, it's, it's one big idea, but there's two aspects of it. And that's that trespasses refers to both willful and unintentional sins. Willful and unintentional. Now, let's think about this as, as an analogy here. If you have a disease that, if left untreated, will kill you, right? It will bring your life to an end. And there is a cure, okay? So this is the thing. You have this disease, there's a cure. And if you are aware that you have the disease and you know that there's a cure, what happens if you choose not to take the cure? You're going to what? Die. That's the consequences of knowing you have a disease and not choosing the cure. Well, what if you have this disease and you don't know that you have it? Or you don't know that there's a cure or both? What are gonna be the consequences? You're going to die, even though you didn't know about it. The consequences are the same. Well, that's the way sin is, that we have this spiritual disease that you might call sin. And its consequences are death and separation from God forever and hell. And if we know that, and we know that Christ is the cure and we don't take of it, we experience those consequences. But what about those people who have that disease but don't know they do? And they don't understand the consequences. They don't know that there's a cure. See, that's what Paul's gonna talk to us about in this passage. But so let's, let's continue to think about this idea of trespasses then. Um, let's look here. Look back in the scripture with me. 
Verse 18 again. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we hear that and we think, okay, my trespasses have divided me from God, right? I'm separated from God because of my trespasses. And so it says that those of us who've come to Christ, we have been reconciled to God. How? Through Christ and what he did, right? Simple enough. We get that, okay, I'm reconciled to God because of Jesus. But let's think about this. How did this come about? Verse 19, he says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Huh. I'm not even mentioned there, except I'm part of the world. It says that God was, when, he was, when Jesus was just dying on the cross, God in the human form, dying on the cross for our sins, that in that process, he was actually reconciling the world to himself. And what is this about? Well, what it really means is that on God's side, he has removed every obstacle to you and I being reconciled with him, okay? All right, uh, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna put a couple guys on the spot. Bill, would you come up here for a minute? Yeah, you, you Bill, that Bill and Steven, would you come up here for just a minute? Okay, I need you to help me out. Don't worry, it's easy, I'm gonna tell you what to do. You don't have to know anything except how to stand up. I know sometimes that is hard, I get that. Come on up here, guys. Hey, right, Bill, I want you to stand over on this side. And Stephen, I want you to stand on this side. Now, yeah, okay. No, no, you're not reconciled yet. Okay, so here, here's the deal, Stephen. You get to be God today for just a little while, okay? You get to be God, and you get to be all the rest of us, okay? So here's the deal. Here's what's... All right, so Bill, this is your sin, okay? So here you are. You're gonna set this up right here in between the two of you, okay? All right, so you set it there. Okay, that's fine, just set it down, and then now turn your back and cross your arms. Okay, so here we are. And this is, this is God, okay? God is a holy God, and sin is a problem, isn't it? There can be no place for sin in this relationship. And so the sin is blocking any hope of reconciliation here, okay? Now, what we just read in the scriptures, it says that God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling the world to himself. Okay, now, before we go farther, I just want to just hang tight here, guys. You're doing great. Look at this here in, in verse 19 again. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. You guys use the word imputing regularly? Probably not. Imputing literally means taking inventory. Okay? And so here's God, and it says, there's the sinner. And he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself rather than doing what? Taking inventory and keeping track. I'm going to, you know, he's doing this and I'm going to get him for this. And rather than doing that, he was reconciling the world himself. And here's what that means he took the sin and pushed it out of the way. There you go. Now, no, yes, yes, but he isn't yet. That's a good question. Why not? That was really bad. <laughs> it was a lot easier in the first service, somehow. I'm kidding, you guys. So, but what happened is, is that on God's side of this equation, he has done everything that needs to be done on his side 
for this relationship to be restored, for there to be reconciliation. For full reconciliation to happen, it requires two, doesn't it? But on God's side, he's done all that he can do to reconcile this relationship. And all that's left is for him to learn that he has this spiritual disease, he has sin, and that, that there's a cure for it, Jesus Christ, right? Placing our faith and trust in him. And when he realizes that in turns, now we can have reconciliation, right? Sweet. Okay. Thanks, brother. Yeah. All right. How's God today? <laughs> Isn't that great? Yes. Okay. Now, so stay here. God has done everything. Turn around. God has done everything that can be done. But what if this, he never knows? Hmm. Right? Okay, so that's what this passage is about. All right, thanks, guys. Good job. Careful there, Bill. <laughs> so God has removed everything on his side that prevents our reconciliation with him. Isn't that good to know? That's good to know. There's nothing that stands on God's side. He's ready. He's already proven. He's done what needs to be done, and he's, he's shown us. What kind of love is this? Dan referred to the verse earlier in 1 John 3, and it talks about, you know, what love is this that we should be called the children of God, that we've been reconciled? What kind of love is this? Well, a number of years ago, there was a song that came out uh, about the extravagance of God's love, a worship song. Said, and the first line was, your love is extravagant. You know, and there were people who had a problem with that. Uh, they struggled, why? You shouldn't say God is extravagant because they saw extravagant as a negative thing. And here's why. Because the word extravagant means lacking restraint in spending money or using resources. No restraint in that. Or costing too much money. Exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate. Absurd, right? Uh, expenditures. Um, and, and we think of this, do you remember years gone by, you know, I guess it was, we heard some of the televangelists who, who had gold faucets in their bathrooms, I mean, real gold and all that. And I think most of us say that's extravagant, right? And, and we would think of it in light of this. Uh, and I'm not passing judgment on there's ever time to have gold stuff, but you get what I'm saying, right? We feel that's extravagant. And, and so the idea was, hey, you're accusing God of something that's not wise and something that's not negative. But I want to say to you today that I think God's love is absolutely extravagant. Um, that he paid way more than we might think it was worth. And think of it in this way. Who did Jesus die for? The Bible is real clear. Multiple times it says again, he died for the world, the whole world. Not just for us, but for the whole world. His sins, uh, his death, the satisfactory payment, not just for us, but for the whole world. Okay? So this, this sin debt here uh, paid a sufficient payment provided for the whole world. Okay? Will the whole world get saved? Will the whole world turn to Christ? No. And so there's payment that God has made that in, in our sense, we might look at it and say, that was wasted, wasn't it? It's extravagant, it was waste, wasted. But it wasn't wasted because what did God want to do? He loved the world so much that he pays this 
price. Because that's a real, genuine expression of his love. I love you so much. I know you're never gonna receive Christ. That grieves me deeply, but I love you so much, I want you to know, I made, I genuinely made this payment for you. That's extravagant love, isn't it? It's love without restraint. It's love without saying, well, is that, you know, let's do a cost-benefit analysis here. No, I love you. Now, let me see if I can give you a little more, maybe practical example in, in this life. Uh, how many of you know who Charlie Tanner is in our church? Okay, good bunch of you, not everybody. But Charlie um, has, over the years, restored old cars. And one of his most recent is this 1967 Pontiac GTO, black. This is not it, but it looks like that, okay? Just finished, it is amazing. Charlie's an artist, okay? It is awesome. And um, he has a love-hate relationship with that car right now. And, uh, but he says, you know, he's told me, yeah, for the right price, I'd definitely sell it. And, and he, he knows what that is. And uh, so I talked to him today and said, but if, what if somebody came along and offered Charlie $10 million for that car? How fast do you think he would say yes? Real fast. Real fast. And he'd run to the bank and get a deposit and hope the check clears before they change their mind. <laughs> now, on the face of it, most of us would say, that's what? Crazy. To spend that kind of money on that car. But if we looked at this person who did it and looked at this person and learned some things and said, this person really is a sound mind, this person's logical, this isn't a crazy person, right? Made a decision. What does that tell us about how that person feels about that car? And they love that car. It is worth that much to them. Let me ask this question. It's not really ready to the sermon. How well do you think that person will take care of that car? How careful do you think that it would be with the car, right? I mean, well, see, this is the way God was with us. <laughs> what did he pay for us? John 3.16 tells us, right? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes, what? Not perish, have everlasting life, but loved us so much that he gave what? His son. God himself coming in human form. This is beyond our ability to understand. And what's interesting, the Apostle Paul tells us we need to try to understand it. But in Ephesians chapter three, he says that you may be able to comprehend the width and depth and uh, the length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which what? Passes knowledge. It's more than you can know. And so we think about this love of God that would lead him to reconcile us to himself and do everything that could possibly be done to restore us except for our surrender to it and acceptance of it. He's done everything. How much does he love us? How much does he love me, you? How much does he love the world? Do they know? See, that's what the passage talks about here. So let's go back and look at it. This wonderful message of reconciliation. <clears throat> this is where the sacred trust comes in. So let's go back and look at it again. Verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has what? Given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
I mean, God has done everything that can be done, but he's given us this ministry of helping people to know that, helping them to see it, helping them to have an opportunity to understand and respond. He's given that ministry to us. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world himself, not imputing, not taking inventory of their trespasses, and has committed or entrusted to us, what? The word of reconciliation. The word, the words, the, the message of reconciliation. We could call this the gospel. He's entrusted this to us. So that the world can know. And by the way, the word world is this nice big generic word that we can go, oh yeah, yeah, the world might know, but I want you to think right now, right now in your mind, uh, just close your eyes for a little bit. This is nothing weird, I promise. Right now, I want you to, to try to picture two or three faces of people you know who don't know Jesus. Okay, you can realize that's the world. You see what I mean? It's, it's people like that that's the world. Real people that you know. And then people all around the world that we don't know as well. But so he has entrusted this to us. And now he tells us how this works. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. And what's he pleading through us? We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Turn to him as he has turned to you. All right, so I think we all know what an ambassador is, right? An ambassador for our country goes to a foreign country and in that country represents our country and actually represents the president and speaks for the president. And so in that country, he's a spokesman. He speaks on behalf of the United States and listens and, and responds on behalf of the United States. So, but he's like the representative. And what does God tell us here? We are. That's what we are in this world. We are his representatives in this world. We are his spokespeople. You know, I, just, I don't want to overstep here, but generally speaking, does the President of the United States send messages directly to a foreign country? On the air, right? No, he does what? He sends the message through his ambassador. If the ambassador isn't speaking, then the President isn't speaking, right? All right, so we are his ambassadors in the world. And they, he describes as though God were pleading through us. So when we speak in this role, it's not just us speaking. God is speaking through us when we are sharing the gospel with people, when we're helping to know they have a need and they can be reconciled to God. God speaks through us. Anybody besides me ever find yourself feeling like, wow, I probably should really share my faith here. I should talk about this and find yourself nervous or even outright scared. Anybody? Okay, I see your head's nodding, yeah. We tend to feel that way. But I, you know, I realize and remind myself again, why do I feel that way? Because here's the deal. Well, if I will speak up for Christ, and, and I don't know where it goes, maybe it's just seeing if there's an opening or, or an openness, and, or it's actually sharing. It's not just me speaking, is it? He says, it's God pleading with them through me. So who's speaking? God is speaking. Yeah, my words, but God is speaking. And so here's the first thing I want you to understand. When we share the gospel, God speaks through us. That ought to embolden us some. That ought to be, make us more willing to take what feels like a risk. Because God wants to talk to them about this disease that they have and what the cure is. 
right? Sin, death, and Jesus. So you and I should figure out how to do this. But there's something else here that we really need to understand. Since when we share the gospel, God speaks through us, what about when we don't speak? When we don't speak, neither does God. Now I'm not saying God isn't still at work in the world and people's lives, he is. He's at work drawing people. But when it comes to explaining the gospel to somebody and helping them to know, God has entrusted that to me and to you. He's entrusted to, to us as Christians. And if we aren't sharing it, then they aren't hearing from God about it. If somebody isn't, right? And it's crucial that we understand that he has entrusted this to us, to every Christian. This is our ministry. We ought to be purposefully, actively involved in it. He's given it to every Christian, to every one of us. So right there, in verse, let's look in verse nine again, up there. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to what? To be well-pleasing to him by giving him our whole life, making our whole lives about him, and by carrying out this ministry of reconciliation. So that when you or I are not on purpose, actively trying to help other people know the gospel, we're not pleasing God. We're, we're not. And I'm not saying God hates you or is mad at you. That's not the point at all. It's just our desire should be to please him. And we aren't because he wants those people to be saved. And he's given us, he's entrusted us with the gospel, see? Now, this is the sacred trust that we're talking about. We're different people. We aren't all the same. We know that, right? There are some of you here in today, and I understand, I'm talking to you about you need to be trying to get the gospel and speaking, and you're going, there is no way in the world I, I can be the one that's bold and step out and speak those words. And you know what? Overall, I agree with that. That is just not how God has made you. But the fact that you aren't made that way does not remove your responsibility. So what do you do? Well, what you have to do is you have to figure out, okay, if I'm not the one who can talk like that, I'm just not, oh God, what do I do to help this happen? And maybe you start praying diligently and you become a prayer person but you're praying about these people to know and you're praying about this one who's going to witness and you're involved, you know that. Uh, we, um, last summer on Sunday nights out here, we, we invited the, an organization, the community, to use our parking lot uh, for their old cars like Charlie's GTO, uh, Lester Cruising it was called. And because we saw that they had a need and so I said, hey, why don't you come do it here? And they came to here, and, and just a few of us, uh, Tom Wales and I mostly, but we, we brought them here, we made hot dogs and gave them sodas and talked to them and be good hosts and build, start to build some relationships with it. But here's what I'm trying to say, you, and, and I can talk, and I was able to have a few conversations. They're coming back, I hope I have more this year. But the point is, 
You say, I can't be that one to talk. Can you cook a hot dog on a grill? You might say, no, I burn hot dogs on the grill. Okay, can you help us put the trash away and put the tables away when we're done? Do you see what I'm trying to say? The idea is you're saying on purpose. I have to be involved in helping people learn the gospel, know that they can be saved. I have to be doing it some way. Maybe I'm the one who can talk. I can talk. Some of you, I know you can talk. <laughs> I hear you talk all the time. Uh, but we all have a personal responsibility to be actively involved in trying to reach people for Christ. And that's what I want to challenge you about today. That's the challenge I want to make to you is that you say to God today, okay, God, I, I see that. It is mine. And if you're like me, you look at your life. I have witnessed, I have some people who were saved because of my witness in the last few years. I'm, I'm really happy about that, but I'm realizing, you know what? I need to be more focused on this than I am in my personal life, not as a pastor, as a Christian. I need to do it more. My guess is most of you need to do it more. So will today will you say, okay, God, it is my responsibility. It's mine. It's not that person's, it's my responsibility. God, you know me, you know what I can do and what I can't do. Help me to do something on a consistent basis to be involved in helping people learn this whole picture that we talked about up here today. And then what I'm gonna do is a little different, a little new, so that you know this afternoon at some point I'm gonna post just a few simple ideas. I'll post it on Facebook, some simple ideas about how you could start practically doing something about this, okay? All right, I'm gonna ask Dan to come back up if you would and lead us. We're gonna finish with a song here today. Um, it talks about our total dependence on God. And by the way, if you're going to become a witness, total dependence on God, you're going to need to. And the psalm then talks about that what we want is everybody who sees us gets exposed to Christ somehow, some way. Father, thank you for your word and this challenge. Thank you, Father, that somebody was faithful to share the gospel with me. And I don't know who all was involved there, Lord. I don't know who was playing a support role, and, and I know the ones who spoke to me, but I don't know who was praying. But Father, I thank you that people took it seriously, their responsibility to get the gospel to me. And I pray, Father, for each of us here today, we will, if for the first time or again, renew that we absolutely have to be about getting the gospel to others. And if we don't, Father, we can call ourselves whatever we like, but we aren't living like Christians. And we're not pleasing you. So we want to please you. I know that about these folks, Lord. They do want to please you. So I pray they'll make that decision today. And we'll go out of here trusting you to help us live it out. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.